Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is episode 84 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this week we're taking a look at studio websites. Who and what are they even for? Hey there, beautiful teachers. Do you have a studio website to advertise your studio or to showcase yourself online? If you do, I want you to take a moment today during this episode to think about what exactly it is doing, what purpose it is serving. If you don't have a website, this is a great time to think about this as well. I really believe that almost every studio out there could benefit from having a website. But before you even create one is a great time to think about what it's going to do, what it's going to do for you and your business. So the question is, who is your website for or what is it for? And this is one of the first questions I ask people when they, I mean, even people outside of the teaching industry, when they ask me about tips for their website or about to take a look at a page for them. My first question is, who is this for? And a lot of people don't know. And if you don't know who you're writing to, there's really no way to make that an effective page or an effective site overall. So this is the first question you need to answer when you're looking at redoing your website or reconsidering how it functions for you. Before we get to that, though, I want to run through a few basics of website setup in case you don't have one already or you're considering setting one up, switching, that kind of thing. I want to give you a few basic recommendations because I do get these questions from people when I bring up the topic of websites, since obviously I run a few of them myself. So, what do I recommend? Do I recommend Wix or Weedly or WordPress or Squarespace? That's the right name, isn't it? Well, all my websites are run on WordPress, and they're all self-hosted, and that is what I recommend for studio owners as well. I know people sometimes can find WordPress to be a little bit more of a learning curve than, say, Squarespace, but it's a lot more adaptable. It's going to be cheaper in the long run, by far. And it's going to serve the purposes that we need much better. So I recommend you set up your own self-hosting. If you need a recommendation for site hosting, I recommend SiteGround. They're great. Really good, really good quality host. Don't go for one of the super cheap ones. SiteGround is still quite affordable, but it's not like the bottom of the barrel. And you don't want those because there's going to be downtime there. Their customer service is not going to be good, and the likes of SiteGround is going to answer your questions 
within the chat, I mean, I've never had a problem getting hold of someone to help me and they will help me with even things that aren't really their problem that I made a mistake on and they'll jump in and help me sort out things. So recommend SiteGround for your self-hosted site or another good hosting provider. Set it up using WordPress, not wordpress.com. So this is wordpress.org. If you have a good host, this will just be a click of a button basically within SiteGround. You just click set up a WordPress site and you do it and away you're away to the races. And then you add a theme and you get used to the WordPress interface. Like I say, people can find this to be a bit of a learning curve. It's not super techy at all. It's just like learning an unfamiliar software. That's essentially how I would frame it for you. So if you would be happy to learn something that's brand new, that's like learning Word, except it's completely different to Word, then dive in. You can find tutorials, you can find places to figure this stuff out. If you do get someone to set this up for you, that's absolutely fine. It may not be the area that you want to spend time. If you get someone to set it up for you, though, make sure they show you how you can update things yourself and leave you maybe some tutorial videos specifically on your side of how to add a new post or a new page or how to change things because you don't want to be going back to a web developer every time you need to just change the text on a page. Put up a new calendar for a new year. Change your rates. All of this stuff should be things that you are able to change yourself. And then the basics of what should go on your site, there's really just four pages that I think everyone absolutely needs without question. And that is an about page. Every site should have an about page, which will be some info about you. A page about your lessons. A contact page, a way to get in touch with you. And a home page. Everything has to have a home page and the home page will summarize basically what's on the rest of the site. And that is it. That's all you absolutely have to have as the basics. It doesn't mean it's all you should have, but that's the basics. I also believe that almost every studio should litter testimonials all over their site. I think that's more effective than having a separate testimonial page, although it's fine to have one of those as well. It's going to be more effective if you have them dotted throughout your site. So get quotes from students, get a photo parent's photo or a student photo if you can to go along with them that makes it a lot more credible for people to believe that someone really said it I know you're not lying you know you're not lying but people have this idea that when they're reading stuff online maybe it's not really true and if you put a photo beside it they're more likely to believe that it is a real review and it just looks more credible so that's the basics okay I'm not going to go into detail about how to do all of that You can Google your way around it or you can join a course or something like that to get this stuff sorted out. Once you have those basics, or as you're putting the basics together, I want you to consider who is it for. Because if you don't know who you're writing this site to, as I've said, it's not going to be effective. It's not going to achieve what you want it to achieve. And a site shouldn't be there just to be there. It should have a purpose. So there's two main ways this could go for a studio. For most teachers, either it's for your current students, primarily, or it's for prospective students, prospective parents of students. So if it is for your current students, that's going to be because your studio is full and you're still getting inquiries all the time and you just really do not need more marketing. I mean, more marketing is usually a good idea, but if that's not the primary purpose of the site, that's totally fine. It can be a site that's mostly for your current students and their parents. 
If that's the case, some things you might like to consider including would be a blog with events and photos where you write posts about, oh, we had our Christmas party, this is what it looked like, here's some photos, we had a great time, you know, and you share those with parents. Or maybe you also blog or write pages about practice tips and ideas for getting uh, students to practice or tips for parents who haven't studied music before, that kind of thing. Maybe you would also have a calendar and write about upcoming events so you use it to keep people informed. Of course, you're going to want to still send them an email notice that, you know, there's an update on such and such. Don't rely on them checking the website. But it's a great place to keep all that place stuff in one central location so that parents can check back when they need that kind of information. You might also have downloads and videos, downloads of tracks perhaps that people can access or even SoundCloud playlists or Spotify playlists for people to play through right there on your site for easy access or video tutorials. Maybe you have reminder videos that you've created yourself for certain pieces or tips, videos, anything like that. Or maybe you use Piano Safari and you put the videos, you're welcome to embed the videos from my YouTube channel about how to use the sight reading cards and rope pieces, because those are two unusual things that parents can need some help with. So I have videos up there for that. So you use the site as a way to provide resources for your current students and your current parents. If you want to take it a bit further, I think a fun idea, especially in a big school or big studio with multiple teachers perhaps would be to have a forum on your site for parents to interact with each other right you could have discussions each week you could try to get them involved and part of a community that could be a great way to use your site so those are some ideas for your site if you think your site is for current students primarily if it is for prospective parents, and this is what it's going to be for, I would say, most people setting up a site. Our primary motivation is it's really a marketing tool. It's a way to get the word out there about our studio so that when people search for piano lessons, Dublin, Crumlin, piano lessons, what are some other places? London, wherever you are, doesn't matter. When they do that search, because that is how people find stuff in most places, that you are going to show up, that you're going to have representation in those search results and that people have a place to check out, see what you're about. So if that's what your website is for, it shouldn't be general information. That's not what you think should think of it as. You should think of it as showcasing why you are the best choice for their child. Now, you're not going to specifically say that, of course, but that's the frame you should go into this with. I am showing them why I'm a good fit for their child. So with that in mind, you're going to show your students having fun so that they can imagine their child enjoying lessons as much as those kids are, right? You're going to have testimonials, again, to show how much your students enjoy their lessons and how much they appreciate being part of your studio and all the fun things you get up to and how much they're learning, all of that stuff. You're also going to Show them that you know who they are. So you want to talk directly to those parents, or if you're teaching adults, directly to the adult students. You want to show them that you know who they are and what they're about. 
talk directly to them. Imagine they're sitting in front of you or you're writing a letter to them, although an informal letter, please. No formal language on websites, right? You want to show them that you know them, that you see them, and that you have designed your studio around them. That means that if a parent arrives who is not a good fit for your studio, they're going to know it. And that's a good thing. You want those people to just immediately leave your site and go away. Because if you get inquiries from them and, you know, they're bargain hunting or they're interested in exams and you outright do not do exams and they absolutely want those for their child, or if there's someone who thinks music should be very serious and you're all about using games, you are not a good fit. And while it might be tempting, especially when we're low on students, to want to attract as many people as possible, it's not going to result in long-term success for you. So you want to push those people away. You want to talk directly to the right person, the person who wants the kind of studio that you offer, the kind of lessons that you provide. The other thing that you need all over your website, for especially for when it's for prospective parents, is to tell them what they should do. And this is, I'm half sighing, I think you can hear it, (laughs) because this is the one that when I go to look at studio websites, this is the number one recommendation I will come back with in so many cases, is your call to action is not strong enough. Call to action just means telling people what to do. What should they do? It's not enough to provide info. You can't leave it up to them like that they're supposed to go looking for your email address. No, to tell them what the next step is to be part of your studio. Otherwise, they're just going to look at it and go, oh, that's lovely. Oh, that sounds great. And the vast majority of them are going to click away or they're going to forget about it. So you need to have buttons on every page and they need to be before the fold, meaning before you scroll down. Okay, there needs to be a button that tells me what to do. If that's what your website is for, it should tell me. Book a trial lesson. Get on the waiting list. Whatever, whatever your call to action is going to be, whatever you want them to do the most, call you, anything, doesn't matter what it is, it'll be specific to you and your studio and what you find to be most effective in terms of when people get in touch with you and efficient for you as well, right? If you don't have space like me, the call to action should be get on the waiting list because if they call you, you're just going to put them on the waiting list, right? So whatever it is for you, make sure it's on every page above the fold and that it's a big clear button. It should be super clickable looking, meaning you just automatically know, okay, that that jumps out to me. That's what I want to do next. And as you visit websites, start to notice this. Notice these buttons. Because if you go to big businesses sites, they have one pretty clear thing that they want you to do. And you almost do it without thinking. You don't even really think about the result of the the button you're clicking. You just click it because it's so clear that that's what you're supposed to do next. Remember, people are not super duper awake when they're looking at sites, okay? We tend to shut down a little bit. Often they're doing this in the evening with the TV on in the background. So make it easy for them and send them where you want them to go. The other part of this site that's for prospective parents is that you want it to show up in search and that is honestly a topic that is well beyond the scope of this episode. If you want more training on it it might be something we can look into in the future but the basics of search will actually, search engine optimization that is, will actually 
get you pretty far in most markets. It depends how competitive your area is. If people have put a huge amount of investment into their sites for, you know, other music teaching studios have in your area, then, you know, you're not going to get super far with the basics. You're going to have to get a little bit more advanced. But if they haven't, if when you search for piano lessons Cleveland, there's hardly anything that shows up, well then you've got an opportunity there. It's going to be pretty simple to get to that top of that list. You are going to have to be a bit patient because it takes a while for Google to get through this stuff. But if you set up a simple, good quality website with basic best practices like an SSL certificate, this is the difference between a site that says HTTP colon slash slash versus a site that starts with HTTPS. It's that S that you want, okay? That means it's secure. And over time, in the coming year probably it's getting we're getting pretty close to the crunch on this one google is going to stop showing sites that don't have those security certificates because they don't want to be sending people to places that are not safe even if your site kind of is safe you need to show it that right so you need that ssl certificate a good host can help you set that up and often they're included it's included in my plan at siteground so you can just set it up there and help they they'll probably help you do it if they're they've got good customer care. The other basics that you need are just to mention without keyword stuffing, as in without using unnatural language, mention that you teach piano lessons in Cleveland or wherever you are, right? You have to use those words so that Google knows that you're relevant to that particular search. You have to have enough content on there, so write enough, literally enough words about what you do and why you do it and why you're passionate about it. That's the basics of it, right? As long as you have a modern site with an SSL certificate and you're using keywords appropriately and not keyword stuffing, that'll get you started. And from there, you can look into SEO best practices and do a bit of research. If you find that after a few months, you're not getting anywhere near the top of search results, you may be able to put in some more effort into that if it's important to you. So those are the two sides of what a studio website might be doing and who it's for. If you are not sure which one of those you want to create, if they both sound great to you, the simple question to ask yourself is, do you need more students? Do you need more inquiries? Or really, really not? If you're on the fence, make it for prospective parents because you want to have that safety net of inquiries coming in so that, you know, when the natural little bits of churn for lessons happen, that you do have inquiries coming in and you can fill those spots because your income does rely on that. If, however, you have a super (laughs) popular studio with a big waiting list and you're still getting inquiries all the time, maybe it's better to think about it as being for prospective parents and put that together. And still, if people come across it, you know, they might inquire anyway, but that's not who you're designing it for. So that's the question to ask. Answer if you're unsure. And I want to wish you the best of luck putting together your super effective websites or revamping them if you're revisiting them using this episode. If you're looking for more marketing tips, I want to let you know that I have a webinar, free webinar coming up on Friday the 21st of February, Friday the 21st of February, and you can sign up for that by going to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash marketing. It's going to be specifically about marketing preschool piano lessons but I think you're going to find a lot of the tips are relevant to marketing lessons to all ages. 
So I hope you'll join me for that and that you enjoy revamping your websites and making them more crystal clear and focused on your objectives. That's it for this week. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Vibrant Music Teaching members, if you want more help with finding focus in your marketing and your business, you should check out the Studio Business Reboot course inside the video library. And if you're not a member yet, make sure to sign up so you can access that as well as tons of other great resources at vmt.ninja. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.